Hi, and welcome to Meet My Followers, episode 15. I am your host, Cade Dworkin, and this is the only podcast dedicated to interviewing people who actually follow me on Twitter. Today's date is August 25th, 2010, and my guest is Chris Bajerisgard at C. Bajerisgard. I also have to thank this show's sponsor, 140. Looking for the newest Twitter applications with some of the best cutting-edge features? You need to check out the recent additions to their extensive library by going over to 140.com slash recent. They've got over 3,000 applications listed there. If you've got something that you need to do on Twitter, there's an application specifically for that. Every character counts. Do more with 140. Today's guest happens to be someone who I consider to be a uh, good friend, a buddy, and a fellow uh, Vaniac. Chris Bajerisgard. Chris, thank you for coming on the show, man. Uh, thanks for not butchering my last name, Gabe. Hey, you know, I can make an effort at this now. We've been running around in the same circles for, goodness, a year now, right? Oh, at least, yeah. Yeah, so I, I will step back and let you introduce yourself and uh, try and uh, not step on all the things that you're involved in. Yeah, it's, it's starting to get to be a long list. Um, uh, I guess the short version is I'm a marketing consultant. I uh, do a bit of work for a company called uh, Connection Point Inc. Uh, they have a product called Fundraiser. Um, Fundraiser allows you to uh, put a widget into your Facebook and it will, uh, it works with PayPal and uh, Facebook. They're both partners in it and it, you can raise money for charity, microtransaction donations, things like that. So the three streams on it, the three verticals are charity, uh, political fundraising, and personal fundraising. So if you have a charity and you want to put it in your, your fan page, you want to raise money for breast cancer or something, you can put this widget in there, set your goal, do a bunch of sales stuff, and then uh, people can donate microtransactions towards that. Same goes for political, personal fundraising. I mean, if your dog's sick and you want to put it in your personal stream, something along those lines. Uh, that's one of those, you know, kind of helps me me pay the bills ones. <laughs> yeah. okay. I, I, I dig the product, but it's definitely not where the, the hard passion lies in my life. I'm, I am a beer nerd through and through. Uh, that might even be an understatement. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I am one of the founding members of Vancouver Craft Beer Week, which was the first beer week in Canada. And one of already, even though it's been w only one year, has passed. Uh, one of the largest beer weeks in North America, to my knowledge, in terms of attendance and uh, just overall recognition, things of that nature. So that was quite a successful yeah, first time go around. We'll definitely <laughs> talk in depth about that in a little bit, but go ahead. Keep going. And, and then uh, that also led me to uh, getting a phone call from one of my favorite local breweries, one of the ones that I think can you know, really go some places and break into the U.S. market, and they're making all the right moves to do so. And uh, they are Central City Brewing slash Red Racer Beer. Central City Brewing is the brew pub. Red Racer Beer is the canned product. Uh, I kind of do social media marketing for both as well as marketing consulting. Very early stage stuff. Um, they can't really have me on as a full-time guy until we've kind of ironed out. They're, they're creating a, a large brewery and uh, – you know, until that is built and uh, they haven't even started groundbreaking on it, they're they're kind of at capacity on how much beer they can make. So, 
you know, the, the, the money is there, the demands there, but they're not quite getting that huge dollar amount where they can justify having a full-time marketing guy really hammering it for them. Cause it'll just create more demand. They can't meet and piss a lot of people off. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's, that's kind of the long and the short of it. There's a million other layers, but I'll, yeah. I'll leave it at those three. So we don't spend 15 minutes just talking about <laughs> what I do. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where you're so interesting because Right. When you and I first met, which I believe was in a Gary V Ustream chat room was when we first kind of started talking. And, you know, you were this guy who you know, had an interest in beer, but then you've taken that into an entirely different level. I mean, the first few months that we were, you know, kind of regularly chatting on IM or Twitter or, you know, even every once in a while, a Skype call, you were going off to beer school. Can you talk about how you made that choice to like actually like make this like, like professional choice for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I've kind of I, I've built a, launched a couple small software companies using social media. Um, one was Calgo, quite a successful, but didn't have the right business model in place. Uh, kind of calendaring software company, and we used social media when it was back when it was called Web 2.0. And um, the only reason why I use social media is not because I claim to be a founder of it or a great innovator it was because I had no budget and I had no other options, but to bug bloggers and, you know, interact with communities and really get uh, traffic that way. Um, so I'd been preaching social media for a long time and never actually had a personal brand. And when I discovered Gary Vaynerchuk and he's, preaching about personal branding and using social media to really elevate yourself and do what you want to do in life. It really connected with me. And I kind of sat back and was like, okay, well, what are my passions? And mixed martial arts was one. Um, but I found that kind of in my same voice, there was a, a writer already who had a blog and a whole bunch of other things. And they, it was a very um, saturated scene. And I, I kind of figured the day-to-day -day grind of that, of trying to uh, break out in that was not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. um, and the other was beer. I, I've always been a lover of beer, you know, from drinking the really crappy stuff to actually getting into what I consider good beer. Um, but I never had an education. on. I didn't know a lot about it. I'd just go to the liquor store or the bottle shop and, be, you know, pick out a bunch of random stuff I've never tried before and try it. Um, so I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll chase beer and I'll write about beer. And I did some research and I was like, there's not, you know, there was a definitely a beer scene on the internet and on Twitter and stuff, but it wasn't like overly saturated. It wasn't as big as say wine. It wasn't as big as MMA, but I looked at the growth potential and like how the market was growing in the U S and even how it was growing in Canada. It was like, okay, there's, there's a wave coming and this is something I can actually do and write about and hang out and, you know, really get into nine to five and love it the whole way through. So I better get on this now. Mm -hmm. Um, so the first step was kind of getting to know my local scene and educating myself more, but I figured, you know, nobody's going to take me seriously unless I seriously know beer. So I better figure out a way to do it quick. Okay. And normally I go buy a bunch of books and read as much as I can. But luckily I had um, met a guy down here who just finished his Cicerone exam, which is the equivalent of being a sommelier in wine. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the only like kind of universally recognized certification for beer. And he started beer school locally. And there's pretty much never been such a thing 
in our local area and it's a very rare thing kind of around north america initially like back then even as little as a year ago for actual beer knowledge not from a brewer's perspective but from just a tasting and food pairing and that kind of perspective most of the time it was done through osmosis or people knowing people and geeking out it wasn't really a taught course so when I saw this opportunity, I jumped right on it. Super smart. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in LA and now I've been out here in Phoenix for eight years and, and I've never heard of anything like that. The closest thing that I've heard of is some of the, the activities that were uh, going on up in the Coors plant up in uh, Golden, Colorado near some of my family. Um, but that's, you know, limited to one you know style of beer effectively or one manufacturer of, of, of beer. Um, so, you know, you, you make this choice to go into beer school, right? And, and at that point we had started doing a, a B covalent meeting with you, Sam Taggart and Ben Rabikoff, both of whom have previously been on the show. Um, and, and so you, you know, you're, you're doing your true cask blog, right? Which is an interesting little way for you to voice kind of your opinions and, uh, you know, observances regarding, uh, beer. But then you, you, you get this, you know, we were brainstorming about big ideas and, and you sit there and you kind of throw one out about, I want to do something with craft beer. And that was like, it was like this flippant kind of like one-off statement in one of these meetings. And all of a sudden it grows into this huge, you know, like I, I almost want to call it a convention. Like uh, talk to me about Vancouver craft beer week and that experience. Well, I, I was lucky enough that I kind of got into the beer scene here and there was a bit of a, a beer club uh, in the UK. It's known as camera and it is an arm of that. It was created by expats of uh, the British camera, but okay. in Britain camera is a campaign for real ales. And it's more of a political movement, a consumer movement about uh, drinkers rights and stuff but over here it's a little bit more of a beer club versus a political movement thing okay um so i kind of got to know the local scene and and the leader of camera but had been batting around this thing where he wanted to do like a a beer week not just a beer festival not just you know like a one-off event he wanted to do like a showcase of beer kind of like how um Locally, we have this thing called Playhouse International Wine Festival. It's a week-long festival or uh, multi-day. I'm not sure if it's full week or longer. Um, and it's a very big event. It's held in the convention center. But we, we, we wanted to have our own take on it, not just copy them. But, you know, he, he had a, a, a small idea and had been wanting to execute it for a long time but never had the right people. But the right people started falling into place. Um, myself for the marketing end of things because of the, the passion I had, the knowledge I had, but also I had all the, the marketing, internet marketing, you know, uh, writing abilities, all, all these things you need that uh, cost a lot of money if you're going to just hire someone to do it. Sure. Um, we had a one of the guys I went to beer school with as well, uh, Paul Kamen, owns UrbanDiner.ca. It's a local uh, kind of restaurant uh, directory review site, gives job postings, industry thing. It's it's kind of a full service. If if you want to know what's going on, the eating in eating and drinking in Vancouver, this is a very good resource for it. Mm-hmm. So he knew all the restaurateurs in the city, so we could start getting those beer dinners going. And he had the sales abilities, and he had the entrepreneurial spirit. And we, you know, kind of formed some other people, some graphic designers, one who also happened to be a brewer, things of that nature. And we kind of formed this team, and we were like, okay, how big, how how big are we going? And uh, admittedly we slapped around ideas for 
a couple of months and didn't get a whole lot of places, but we kind of got a business plan down in that. And then at one point we kind of hit the critical mass of enough planning had happened where it'd be a waste if we didn't just go full in. So we went full in and that was kind of a, a hairy experience unto itself. Well, I, it was so interesting to watch you go through that process, right? Cause we were having these weekly meetings on Monday nights and, and, you know, to hear you struggling with, you know, Hey, we're, we're working on this, you know, we're trying to figure it out. You know, what are your guys' thoughts? And we're pinging around ideas about, you know, how you could promote this. And, and, you know, you finally get to that cross threshold point, you get there and then all this stuff starts to happen. And, you know, to save on, on a little bit of the story, let's just take it to the events start to happen and the major publicity starts. Right. I mean, you went, talk to me about, you know, it went from nothing to all of a sudden you're getting, you know, published in the newspaper and there are TV crews. I, talk to me about kind of how you triggered those things to happen and who, who you contacted and how that all kind of fell into place. Because all of a sudden it went from, you know, hey, we really are thinking about doing this in a matter of, you know, a few months to, hey, we got major publicity and there are TV crews. And that's just, it was crazy to, to, to hear your reports coming down every week. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. I mean, where I think the first domino fell for us is we were trying to get the mayor on board. And if we got the mayor's office on board to come down and tap the first cask and declare it Vancouver Craft Beer Week and, you know, kind of have the, the support of the city and the government of the city behind it, that really legitimized it in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I got to give credit to the founder, like the original idea maker, Rick Green, for that. He went out and chased that hard. And then the other domino that fell that kind of went with that was we built social media accounts for Vancouver Craft Beer Week. I built a Twitter and a Facebook and, you know, we, we kind of got our business cards together and we, we started doing like a few promo ideas online because we knew nobody would take it seriously unless we could show them that there was a viable interest in this more than the 200 odd camera members that existed, that there was a much larger interest. So mm -hmm. We, we built this base using Facebook and Twitter uh, mostly by giving incentives for people to invite their friends to join the Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, the, the initial uh, hit of people who were the Facebook fans were our friends and family and, you know, the hardcore beer nerds. And then we incentivized them with some tickets to the opening night thing uh, if, if we hit you know, a thousand Facebook fans, which I tend to like to say is the, for an event of our size is the critical mass you need to prove to people that there's, there's a real, you know, heartbeat to this thing. And, uh, you use the same idea with tickets given away for the BC beer awards, which is a whole nother thing, a very big side piece to this whole thing that I won't get into, uh, tickets, uh, to those to help build up our Twitter numbers. And we hit about that 1500,000 mark on both. And people really started to take notice. And then, you know, then we got a lot of people, a lot more breweries and uh, and uh, venues started getting on board and the website got going. And, you know, we, we did kind of push out and reach out to some newspapers and some media partners and some other stuff. And uh, we kind of had our media partners at first and they were all about it. And they liked that we showed that we had a market and it was all kind of quiet for a bit. And then like two weeks out, the storm hit. Yeah. And like, I don't know where someone in like the mainstream got word of this, but you know, it was like all of a sudden 
I was getting calls from the province newspaper and the Vancouver Sun, which is like our New York Times. Yeah. You know, this is as big as it gets. And I was getting, you know, CBC television, which is our national television station, yeah. saying, you know, can we send a guy down before the opening night to film a piece on Vancouver Craft Beer Week? And, you know, all this media storm hit because nobody had ever seen anything like this before. And, would kind of appeared out of nowhere. Nobody really knew it was coming, and it was built on the back of social media. The irony is that although it helped us, you know, kind of cap off those weak events and sell all those out, the majority of our really strong events were already sold out due to social media well before this, so, before this, you know, mainstream media storm hit. Mm -hmm. And in theory, even if it didn't, the mainstream didn't hit it we could have continued to build this thing on the back of our social media efforts. Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, I remember seeing, you know, your tweets of, you know, Hey, we just sold out, you know, this event. And then, you know, four hours later, you know, Oh, we just sold out that event too. So you need to get your tickets to, you know, this other event and, and then to sit there and start to see these bigger media events kind of start to happen. It's just the nitrous oxide to the second kind of layer of this, which is, you know, as a result of all this, right. Vancouver Craft Beer Week is a massive success, right? Financially, it's a win for all the breweries and restaurants and everybody who got involved. Uh, and, you know, people are immediately asking you. I remember the week after you wanted just to take a break and you came into that meeting with Sam, Ben, and I, and you said, I'm already getting questions about next year. Yeah, it was right away. Like, and we still are. And we kind of went through our, our, our final process and, I, I did some, you know, just post-mortem writing and, you know, busted out the numbers. And I don't think that helped at all in me having a break because when we started getting our post-mortem numbers of most of the businesses were reporting a five that participated or reporting at least a 5% increase in sales over the year, uh, the month of May, the year previous. That's yeah. that's ridiculous in, in a down economy, right? Where you know everything's going you know wrong, and beer is you know a luxury item, and especially craft beer, where you know these are not you know the, the cheapest beers in the rack, and and they're sometimes hard to find. Yet they're seeing a five percent growth year over year, you know, weeks after this event. Yeah, and we're talking upwards of sixty odd businesses because you got to think that we had well over thirty events. 30 breweries involved i mean this wasn't like four businesses really shot up we even saw increases in businesses that had almost no direct participation or advertising or anything to do with us just the craft beer sales went up which was absolutely insane but because of this then other people wanted to get involved like our newspaper partner uh we we kind of got on board with a weekly um, that really liked the idea and they were going to publish a front page article before we even did a, uh, a partnership with them. But we were like, well, you know, we can media partner with you and you, we, you can do a section for us in the food and drink. And, you know, the second it ended, they were like, we love this. Let's start talking about next year. And we're like, well, we need a break. Cause everybody at this point was on burnout and myself, especially like it was very good. Lucky that me and, uh, Paul Kamen and myself were, you know, we work from home and are kind of freelance and, you know, urban diners, his thing, but he can do it, you know, whenever he has time. Sure. Um, Cause we were working ourselves to the bone. I was busting 14 hours a day on this thing. And, you know, the other people. And that doesn't kill your client work, dude. Like, I mean, that was yeah, the interesting that, part. Yeah. I, I was having some long nights and I mean, those other people who had nine to five jobs, 
we're coming home and doing like five, six hours on top of that. One of our, our main graphic designer and web guy was a brewer at one of the breweries that was participating. So he's making beer like crazy, coming home. I'm cracking the whip on him for six hours at his place, making sure our website updates are happening and stuff. It was absolutely nuts. So we wanted a break, but everybody was hounding us. Like, we got to talk about next year. We got to talk about next year. We want it. So have you set dates for, you know, VCBW year two? We, we have tentative dates. Uh, we're we're going to keep it in May. I'm, I'm okay. just sliding through my calendar here to see. Uh, our tentative dates are... We're going to start on the 6th of May, 2011, okay. um, which is a Friday night. Do our opening party. Just one party that night, something big, okay. um, and run it straight through to the following Saturday night will be our big final event, which is the BC Beer Awards uh, slash BC Beer Trade Show, where we showcase the best BC has to offer. And we'll have a, a, it's kind of a multi-showing thing, like there's a... a a press thing, then a midday thing, and then an evening thing. It's a wow. it's a massive event, so that kind of caps us off. And then we'll probably have a quiet little, um, you know, thank you party on the Sunday for like we did this previous year. So, because yeah. we kind of found that we opened on a Monday last year, and that did work, mm-hmm. but it was a little much. Like you kind of wanted. People wanted it to go a bit longer, not the Monday party, but the entire week. Yeah. And they found that opening on a Monday and closing on a Sunday was a little weird. So we wanted to open on a Friday Close on and a go day. through to a Saturday for gotcha. the most public stuff. That way, you know, the, the Sunday that event could be quiet. We could do maybe some brunches or something, give sure. people a rest, and then re-kick it in with more dinners. Well, I mean, wow. uh, it, it's it's just so inspirational to hear that, you know, you and you've teamed up with, like, it sounds like this superstar dream team set of people to build this massive event that, you know, ha- is going to just continue to be massively successful. And, and I would welcome both you and anybody else who you know is involved with the vcbw to uh come back in the you know lead up to that so that we can send as many of uh the people who are listening to this show up to vancouver for a week to uh go and and have fun with the craft beer crew up there Uh, i just think that it would be a great thing but uh kind of winding down this interview i will ask for who are some of the people who you find to just be awesome or funny or really intelligent on Twitter? On Twitter? Well, I mean, Gary V for one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's probably, I haven't watched every episode, but I think he's been it. shouted out yeah. probably a million times at this point. So well, uh, that's who, that's who I take my major inspiration from, right? I mean, he's a good buddy. He's, you know, someone who I look up to. And, and so it's not shocking that the people who are closest to me and would be on these first, you know, 20 episodes would be the people who are, most in line and most exposed to him. So, yeah. So obviously him, uh, go Sam, of course, so yeah. Sam Taggart, because he's, he's crushing it right now. Um, sure miss six Oh four. Who's kind of the leader of the pack in a lot of ways in Vancouver. She was really early on the blogging wave and did a lot of, you know, she's doing a lot of cool stuff for locals. So you got to check out miss six Oh four. If you want to know kind of what's going on in Vancouver. Um, cool. You know, I, I, I got to shout out my new Central City stuff. I just started some new accounts today. So Central City Brew is the brew pub and Red Racer Beer is the beer. 
if you follow anything, follow Red Racer Beer because you're going to see that beer hit the market big time in probably about two years, Okay, 18 months to two years. It's going to blow up. We've got tons of distributors knocking on the door down there. Let me ask uh, Let me ask real quickly about that then. I mean, what's the flavor profile on you know Red Racer Beer that, that, that people might be interested in, in, in seeking this out when it does finally get down here to the States? Uh, West Coast Hops. <laughs> okay it, it's english beers with west coast hops we have we have a esb and extra special bitter which is traditionally a you know a hoppier bitter beer from the uk but more of a session beer and our our head brewer gary Lowen, it just will blow it up with the hops awesome. um and people are loving it the ipa is actually rated in the top 10 ipas in north america okay. by a lot of the major rating boards like beer advocate and rate beer um, that's the one everybody clamors for. And more importantly, when this new brewery happens, there's going to be some cool stuff nobody's ever thought about that I can't talk about. No, of course not. I'm there's, not asking you to spill secrets. Yeah, there's going to be some some really big stuff going down. God, that's super um, so exciting. So we're pretty stoked on that. Well, I, you know, is there anybody else that, that comes to mind when you're thinking about Twitter? I mean, because I, I, I didn't mean to cut off your list there by you know talking about beer, but you're chasing my own heart tonight. Um, well, if you're into beer, you got to check out Stone Greg, who is uh, the he's Greg uh, Cook of uh, Stone Brewing. He's the CEO of Stone Brewing, and he's always running around doing crazy cool stuff. He's he's kind of the de facto social media leader of the scene in a lot of ways. Okay, um, he's he's always got cool stuff going on. I really dig this dude out of New York called uh, Hoptopia Lee Williams. He's Always got some interesting stuff. Really good reviews. Um, you know, I don't want to gas too many of the beer folks because I also compete with them in some way. <laughs> um, but, you know, definitely check out, like, the Beer Wench. Mm-hmm. She's kind of the, the, the queen bee of, uh, of the beer scene right now. And uh, you know what? White girl problems. Hilarious stuff. You think shit my dad says is funny? Check out White Girl Problems. You'll oh, love wow. It. That's actually a new one to me, right? I mean, most of the time I, I do research on people and, and I see kind of, you know, uh, uh, I get an idea on who people are interacting with. So I kind of know where they're going to recommend to. This is a new one from you. And I, I know you. I speak with you semi-regularly via IM or, you know, a Skype call like, we, like we've been saying. But uh, that's that's uh, that's interesting. I will have to, you know, pay attention to that account. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for being as passionate about the things that you are in life because it's people like you that drive me to do stuff like this, right? Because you, you know, go out there, you put up this huge event, and now it's, you know, my turn to, go, you know, figure out some way to make, uh, you know, an aggregate bigger event over the course of a year. So I'm, I'm, I'm chasing after your numbers, man. I'm, I'm gonna figure something out to uh, beat you just a little bit, just, just that little brotherly nudge that we give one another every once in a while. But thanks again for coming on the show. Cheers, man. I hope you do it. More motivation for me. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did when recording it. If you like any of the information that Chris and I mentioned, head on over to meetmyfollowers.com where I have posted a full set of show notes with links to the company's Twitter accounts and websites mentioned. Thanks for listening and go have a great day.